Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast. This is number 79. Uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. FXRRacing.com. Use the code PULPAMX30 when you check out to save at FXRRacing.com. Designed by racers for racers. A ton of top privateer guys are using FXR Racing out there, and you can see it uh, every weekend in Supercross. So thanks to those guys. Uh, their designs, their their logos, their their gear has come a long, long way, and uh, many guys are using it right now. So thanks to those folks for doing it. And also Ben LeMay. Using Racetech. He's a privateer and he uses Racetech suspension and engines out there. Uh, get your suspension oil serviced. Get your motor work done. Get performance work done. Get your suspension done right for your weight and or speed by the folks at Racetech. Pulp19 is the code to save. And uh, we want to thank those guys for coming on board with us for this show as well. And Max's Tires, MXST. Another privateer, AJ Cantanzaro, is running MXSTs right now out in Supercross, so developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath, so please check those out. And Nomura, Nomura industry-leading top-end repair kits offer everything you need to rebuild your top-end at a price that will keep you riding every weekend. Go to Nomura.com, N-A-M-U-R-A.com, coming full, fully CNC'd and hard anodized domes, as well as MOS2 rolled-on curted skirts. The pistons are a cut above the rest, so please visit your local dealer, or go to the Nomura.com for more information. So, uh, number 79, uh, Marshall Welton. What's up, Marshall? How are you? I'm um, good. How are you doing, Mr. Steve? Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. You're back east right now. Uh, you've made your return to American Supercross slash Motocross. And, yeah, one main out of three is probably not where you want to be, Marshall. But um, I think your speed's been good. But, damn, you got to get better starts and stay away from trouble. Yeah, I've kind of self-destructed those, uh, you know, the two rounds that I didn't make the main. I was in position both times, and mm-hmm. uh, I just didn't really execute. I, I lost focus, and I kind of let the, the races get the best of me. So, you know, trying to chalk it up as experience and trying not to dwell on it and focus on the now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, still putting in the work during the weeks and doing what I can to improve and then trying to add in a few extra whoop passes at the end of the day, try to get... You know, an extra 40, 50 passes in yeah. just build my confidence in the whoops because that's definitely where I'm most uncomfortable, um, I'd say. Uh, but, yeah, it's a pretty big bummer. I missed the main last week in the Detroit home race, and I just managed to take out the only other Michigan rider in the field. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That wasn't, wasn't really cool, and I was pretty bummed about it. But, uh, yeah, after the race, I ended up just loading up all my stuff. and I think I was on the road by 5.30. And Were you really? Charlotte by 2 in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just wasn't really having it, but no, because uh, you know I'm not just saying this because you're on the on the show, but you, yeah, you should be three for three in main events. There's no doubt. You, you look good, your speed's good, but just small things happening, and uh, and yeah. So, how is the frustration level? Like, I, you sound positive. You're saying the right things, but how's the frustration level been? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm been trying not to let it get the best of me. I, typically, I'm pretty hard on myself with. Everything, uh, you know, training if things don't go my way, but trying to learn from that in the past to just kind of move on and not yep. much you can do on it. And no one really wants to hang around that negative guy all the time. So <laughs> I'm trying to just, just kind of let it go and move on. And, right. um, you know, it is, it is frustrating because I mean, I put all this time and work and I have all these sponsors supporting me, helping me get to the races. And it's not cool for them either when I'm not in the main event and it's not where I want to be. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can, you know, no one wants to be there. No one wants to go to an LCQ. No one wants to do that. But right. 
you know, I'm just trying to, to move on. And, um, you know, I, I know I'm better than that. I just need to, to execute it. It mainly comes down to the time qualifying. Of, right. Like I'm putting a little bit too much pressure on myself and I'm not, um, you know, just slowing with the track. If I probably take it down 10% and just ride and hit my mm-hmm. marks a little better, I'd probably be there. But it's just easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely. Um so you're back in, in the USA after riding in Europe, racing in Europe for a few years. We've talked to you on this show before. And we saw Thomas Covington, certainly. He's not having the easiest time either. He's hurt knee. But before that, he wasn't doing as well. Did you lose some supercross skills over there, do you feel like? Did, what And what was it that you lost? Or what are you finding uh, tougher than you thought, let's say, after years of riding motocross only? Um. You know, it's hard for me to gauge because the last time I really did FX was three years ago, and you know, I had I had a good shot at it. I had a solid off season prep when I did it three years ago, but uh-huh. I I only ended up doing two races, so it's hard for me to really judge how I felt off those two races. So it's, for me, it's almost a completely new experience in sure. a sense yeah. um, because three years is quite a while. But uh, I'd say that the biggest adaptation is just flowing the track quickly and adapting to the track in such a short period of time. Right. Um, for me, when I ride a track more and more, even in the practice tracks during the week, if it's a track that I've ridden a handful of times, um, you know, I adapt and I'm comfortable right away. But as soon as I head to a new track, it's hard for me to, to figure it out and to be fast right away. So yeah. just connecting the new tracks right away is, is what makes it difficult. That's what I'm struggling with. All right. So here's what you do. Just tell hit the Supercross track wherever you're at right now, at cl- your club. Um, no, I've actually been living in Charlotte. Okay. So I rode JGR and uh, uh, Cooper Webb's old track at Earhart Compound, and I rode club a couple times, too. Okay. Well, what you got to do is just start riding tracks backwards, Marshall. I figured it out. Just ride them backwards. There you go. It'll be like an all-new track. Style. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, it's 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 been interesting for me to watch you and, like I said, Covington to come back and see where you're at in 250 Supercross. It's it's not always easy, and it almost. And I I said this to somebody the other day when Osborne came back. I mean, he had a lot more Supercar experience than you and Tom, so it's not exactly apples to apples. But when Osborne came back with the Dixon team and immediately got a podium and was running, you know, top ten. You almost have to be more impressed with that watching yourself and Thomas get used to Supercross again. Do you know what I mean? It's not a straight apples to oh, apples, yeah, but but sure. but yeah, you, maybe we don't realize uh, how much specialized Supercross is. That's, I think so. I mean, yep. Zach's such an amazing rider as it is. He adapts to really any situation, and he's so um, you know well rounded. Whether it goes in Duro or. GP, motocross, mm-hmm. supercross, arena cross, no matter what kind of track Zach's on, he is so well at adapting it that, you know, he makes it work no matter what. And uh, he's got that, you know, that uh, mm-hmm. winning mentality. And it's, I think that's also what helps him is he's, you know, he's, he just, he has that and it just clicks for him. Yeah. But uh, for me and Thomas, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Thomas uh, had, way more success than me as a GP rider. He had wins and podiums and was on a factory team. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me sometimes to even put myself in the same category as him. You know, I was racing the GPs and I had a few top fives, but he was, uh, you know, kind of like a factory guy there. So yep. it's, uh, you know, it's, I think with more time racing there on a good bike, I could have been up to that level as well, but mm-hmm. just kind of ran out on the clock. But, right. <laughs> um, no, it is, it's been difficult just with, uh, 
you know, I shouldn't say it's been difficult because it, it really hasn't been that hard because with Brock helping me and the off season I had, it was pretty dang productive from where I started to, to where I came into the season at. So mm-hmm. I was pretty happy with how everything went and um, stayed injury-free, which is – that was my number one goal. So I checked that box. And, uh, you know, the bike's really good. I can't complain about my bike at all. And yep. the people helping me are really supportive. So in that sense, everything is going well. I just kind of – need to put it together myself um what's so yeah obviously we've, we've known you're working with brock tickle uh in the offseason everything else what's he been a big help for what has he really opened your eyes for what has he what has he been the uh the biggest thing he's sort of uh embedded into you i mean brock just has a, a really good attention to detail everything that he does he breaks it down to kind of a science and puts it into little steps so uh in that sense Every day we were riding, he's always trying to make the bike the best it can be with a few tweaks here and there, calling our suspension guy, Mark Johnson, who's been really key in helping get the bike dialed in. Mm -hmm. Um, And just videoing, we are analyzing every single day on what I'm doing, good or bad, and he's he's good at focusing on the good. And it's nice for me. I mean, some guys thrive off anger more returned to a person you know and i know quite well as i don't think i'm quite <laughs> yeah. in that mindset you know i right. i'm more of i need i need some positive uh feedback and i need to thrive off the positives so um you know i've been trying to work on that and yeah i mean brock's just so disciplined with his mm-hmm. training load um yeah i mean the way brock's been disciplined i mean he hasn't missed a day of training since the suspension 11 months ago. So um, he's in such good shape with himself and mm-hmm. mentally being over to overcome the situation that he's in. It's pretty inspiring because he doesn't even look at Noah as an option. So, uh, right. you know, or quitting. So in that sense, it's cool to be around someone with such a good drive and everything he does. You know, I like to, I like to work hard myself and I probably overdo it in some areas, but it's, it's been good to work with him and we're kind of keep a good balance on where I need to be balanced and where I need to push. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's just, he worked with Alvin for those years and he's also, he's been training as a professional athlete for I think 10 or 12. So you just kind of gain experience and knowledge over that period of time. And he just helping me with what's worked with him over the years. And he's put a lot of attention to detail into my program as well. And really went above and beyond what I was expecting. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting to watch you two guys work together and, and see how it goes. So, as we said, you made the one, one main event, and even that one main event, Marshall, was exciting in the sense of you were fast, but uh, you crashed early on, I believe, and then at some point you were ripping through the pack, kind of coming up slowly, 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 and then I think you crashed again uh, late in the race. But how was that one main that you made down in Dallas? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was... <laughs> almost felt like uh, I was car racing for a little bit because I was just, I think I was stuck in 14th and I seen like eight or nine right in the next turn. Mm-hmm. And it was just like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 me just, I wanted to make moves and it almost felt like I was riding at 70 or 80%. I'm like, dang it, you know, I need <laughs> to go. So eventually that led to me getting stuck behind, uh, I think it was Austin Wright. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he kind of fell off the pace a little bit and I got anxious. So, after about two laps of following him, I, I got anxious myself, and I seen that group kind of gap, and that led to me just being a little too aggressive, and I ran it in on him in a 180, and I, you know, I crashed 
he crashed his bike landed on top of mine and uh <laughs> then then i was like well shoot and then i was just kind of whatever after that i was kind of my heart rate spiked it kind of blew up and i knew the race was yeah pretty much over after that point but uh i just kind of rode my laps and finished it out but you know i wish i could have built off that last week in detroit because i I like the track. I was comfortable with it. The only thing that didn't fare too well with me was the whoops. I mean, when I look at my segment times compared to the rest of the guys, I was uh-huh. like two and a half, three seconds off just in segment two on the rest of the track. And oh, wow. if I could even minimize that to, to one and a half seconds, I would have been right in the mix and wouldn't have to deal with any of the crap I did at the LCQ. But, uh, um, you know, it's just the whoops and the whoops and gnarly last weekend. And I had yeah, they were. That, so. And actually, the, and, the, the the bummer thing was, was let's say you had gotten through, they got easier, they got knocked down, they got easier, you know what I mean? They wouldn't have been this mm-hmm. this struggle throughout the three Triple Crowns, you know, that they were for you, so. Um, for sure. And, and, but when you're in that LCQ, man, I watched it, I watched the LCQ with Brock uh, up in the press box, and yeah, I mean, once you don't get the start in that thing uh, that you need to, to get away from these guys, shit happens, and anything can happen, man, and uh, that's got to be the probably... Because you do have a lot of experience, you know, it may be in motocross over the years, but you do have a lot yeah, of experience. Yeah, for sure. I've done a lot of gate drops. Yes, you know, yes. It's not my first time racing. But you're but out there with... A, but you're I don't out, really have that. Hey, but you're out there with guys that, that kind of lose their minds. <laughs> so... Mm, you just don't know which way they're going to go. And with that, like, you see some person shoot to the right and instinctively you kind of yeah. do that too. And, you know, I just kind of lost focus with it. And that's why I landed on a tough block. Yeah. But, no. uh... I just seen someone jump to the right, so I thought, oh, shit, and I just kind of jolted to the right myself, and uh-huh. then before I knew it, it was too late, but yeah, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, are you, do you drive all the races? Do you, do you Are you driving to all of them, or are you going to fly to some? Uh, well, I actually flew to the first two, Minnesota and Dallas, and okay. I had my mechanic, Neil, drive my van, and then I drove... Uh, I drove to Detroit this weekend, actually. Okay. My mechanic was sick, but normally he would drive the van, and then I would uh, just sit in the passenger seat. That's been our, our plan all along is I was going to fly to the first two and then just drive to the rest of them because they're all within a 10-hour range of yep. Charlotte. So that's kind of doable. But to drive 20-some hours no. before a weekend is it's pretty tough to jump out and then yeah. have some spunk to go race. But, uh, yeah, I'll be driving to the rest of them. Uh, what I like about your program is that – Look, it's not cheap to pay Brock, and you're 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 you know you're trying to do it right. You got Seth Rarick also helping you out training wise. Um, like you're doing it right. You're a privateer, but you're investing money that you've that you've got, uh, you know, or your family's got or whatever to have a tight program. Your bike looks good. Uh, your sponsors are good. You're trying to do it right to give yourself the most uh, chance of success you can have. Absolutely. I mean, I know I'm not going to be able to be at this forever, so. The goal beginning of the season was to be able to maybe get a fill-in on a factory deal. Um, I don't really want to deal with a satellite team because I know sometimes that you know those deals just look a little better yeah. on the outside than it actually ends up being. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have seven supporters from Michigan helping me out with everything. Uh, the seven local businesses and friends and people pitching in. And uh, again, like you said, it's not cheap. It's not the cheapest route, but I'm just yeah. trying to, to, you know, there's, I don't, I'm not going to be able to be doing this forever. So I want to be able to look back and say that I yeah. gave it every possible bit I could with the resources that I had. So that's kind of where we're at because, I mean, just the, the engine builds. And, I, I mean, we try to do it a little bit smart where 
um, you know, like in a sense where I only have one set of suspension rather than having two sets of A kit. Mm-hmm. I tried to minimize it to one. So even if I would get a new setting, it's easy to switch it back and forth. You don't need to switch both settings or whatever. And it's not that big of a deal after a weekend of racing to switch it from the practice bike back to the race bike, you know, and it only takes an extra hour of work, but I mean, that's around four or five grand yeah. extra money that yep. you got to throw in. So I tried to do uh, a little bit smarter in that sense, but uh, it, it, it I'm lucky because Seth, Seth is helping me out a little bit with, um, you know, he's not charging me an outrageous amount of money for rent to stay at his place. And he's been awesome with, you know, helping me go to the, the tracks. He's letting me go to the tracks with him and his guys training. So cool. the riding part hasn't been too uh, overly expensive and it's been affordable in that sense. So some things are working out pretty well, but other sense, you know, there's obviously big race fuel is ridiculous. Yeah. Jeez, that's, that really adds up quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Marshall Welton on, uh, FXR racing race tech suspension, privateer Island life podcast number 79. Yeah, man. It's just like, you know, sleeping in your van and, 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 and getting crappy hotels and driving everywhere, like driving to Minneapolis and to, like set yourself up for some success. You know that that that's mm-hmm. just what I I mean. It sucks, but because it's more expensive and all that. But yeah, try to run your program at least to give you the idea that you have done everything you can to have be have success on the track. So, um, mm-hmm. so what has been whoops have been tough for you? Uh, what about seated and unseated practice? Were you in the seated group this weekend? I don't remember. Yeah, I did get in the seated group. And to be honest, it hasn't been too big of a difference. Okay. I think the the B group gets hooked up pretty good because they get a fully prepped track nice every track. time. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not, it hasn't been too big of a difference in that sense for me because some guys thrive off of uh, latching on to somebody, but mm-hmm. I'm, I tend to be better for myself when I can do a lap on my own. Um, you know, it's hard for me to, to follow and – just, they, they just make it sound so easy, like, oh, just, just latch on to one of the top five guys. Well, yeah. you know, it's, it's easier said than done. When I can just focus on my own lap and focus on myself, I tend to have a better time. Um, and I also yeah. notice from past experience that my time seems to come from the end of the session. So if I just – I think that's another thing I'm learning is I need to kind of be patient at the beginning and just build into the laps and at the end be able to throw it down because that's kind of when the fastest time comes. Uh, hey, uh, yeah, Marshall, just uh, get behind Forkner there. Just follow Forkner. Yeah, just I'll just follow Sexton around. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just follow, follow. Simple. Uh, yeah. um, hey, how's the KTM? How are you liking it? How, uh, how are you enjoying it? And uh, and why KTM for you? Um, I think we chose KTM because well, my sponsor, Live at Extreme, Travis Bean, he has a a connection with uh, a Southeast rep, and we were able to get a pretty good deal with the two bikes that we got, but I think they're the best bike out of the box for privateer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to compete with that with the amount of things you have to do to it compared to, you know, any other Japanese bike. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a pretty big adjustment. The frame and the rigidity of it, it's it's a lot different from the Kawasaki. Uh, the European Kawasaki with the F&H deal in Europe, um, that bike was amazing, and it is so easy to ride. It had the three-speed transmission, 
felt like I was riding a couch and I could just put it wherever I wanted. Nice. Simple, to, you know, like first day on the bike, I'm like, wow, this is so nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't, I didn't have that feeling with the KTM when I jumped on it. It was, uh, <laughs> it was like, oh, uh, this, this, this might be a little bit of work because, you know, just the, when you feel, have the, the feel in the, in the pegs and in the bars of the stiffness of the bike, it, it makes it, so it's hard to be comfortable right away, but we've made adjustments and also I've made adjustments in my riding to kind of adapt to that. Uh, and I think I'm getting pretty close to comfortable now. Mm-hmm. It's just a different feeling with it being more rigid. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you, that you go into that detail. Um, never really broke it down like that, but yeah, you're right. It, 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 it is a difference. Um, talk about tickle a little bit. He, uh, he's a good guy. Good dude. I cannot believe how bad he's getting screwed over on this whole, this whole thing. Like, Obviously, we know you know he's got suspended last year, and he should be penalized for you know testing positive for a stimulant and all that. But I cannot believe Marshall that we are so fucked up as a sport, and the FIM and Feld and everybody involved that Brock is still waiting for this. This is this is amazing to me. Uh, uh, it's really shitty for Brock. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, really. Especially right? being it's, around him, it's and unbelievable. His <laughs> right? Perspective, and when you talk to, I mean. I've never talked to a single person who has said, "Oh yeah, well that's what you get for for taking supplements or, you know, that you know, like acted like he's guilty or something." Not one person I've ever heard mm-hmm. acts like Brock's guilty. They only want to help him get the situation sorted out. So that that tells you right there like that it's kind of all bullshit in that sense. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's I think it might be coming to a bit of a resolution sometime soon, I but, so, uh, yeah. you know, yep. I hope it does. And it, it's, it's really crappy for me. It's a little bit heartbreaking because he, he, he finally got to that point where he's on the best team in the paddock and he, you know, he was there, but, uh, he kind of just got it all stripped away from him. But it, but it sounds like everybody's still kind of behind him and wants to help him and see him do good still. So, uh, this is kind of, it's it's nice to see that, but it sucks mm-hmm. that the officials and you know I call it FIM or AMA. I, I feel like the AMA should be stepping in a little bit to help too. Oh, 100%. if it was, yeah. if it was like the FFM, like the French Federation or the KLM, the Dutch Federation. I mean, those. It's crazy the difference. What how behind their riders they are compared to the AMA, just from a young age all the way up until. A professional rank like the the KLM, yeah, the KMV goes like above and beyond for guys like Hurlings or Coldenhoff. Mm-hmm. They'll, you know, as far as the nations goes or their training, they give them private tracks to ride. They do whatever it takes to make sure they're on the best. And even like the French riders from mm-hmm. a young age, they'll have training camps and try to help their young riders. And they go, they'll have certain FFM trainers at each MXGP round supporting each of their riders or the AMA. It's almost like you don't even want to talk to them because they're, they just seem like such assholes all the time. Yeah. I just shame on everyone involved here. Shame on Feld, shame on the AMA, shame on the FIM for, for obviously taking away a guy's career for this long. And, uh, and yeah, I, I just, I couldn't feel any stronger about it. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully he gets to ride the outdoors. That's the word on the street. So we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, that'd out. be nice. Uh, speaking of outdoors for you, uh, any plans for that right now? Do we do we know? Or do we just want to get through this East Coast? Yeah, I haven't even really thought much on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the worst case scenario is I'll probably end up doing the East Coast rounds on a 450 
um, just because I can't afford to put as much budget as I have put in the, this East Coast 250 series as I can an outdoor round right. or outdoor series. I think it costs quite a bit more for an outdoor series budget. Um, I like I've put 60-some hours on my practice 250 for Supercross, and I have 10 hours on my race bike, and it's like you don't – I haven't had to do much besides change chain and sprockets a couple times and maybe clutch here and there, but yep. it's been minimal, minimal maintenance. Where on an outdoor, you can't really afford to do that. It's You're framing the bike – periodically and i can't really afford to do that yeah so yep. it'll just kind of be something more scrapped together it won't be quite as a professional effort but right um one thing i will put f- emphasis on is i will be comfortable on the bike before i go and race because that's just something i've kind of learned throughout the years that don't go ride something that you mm-hmm. know you don't feel you can do well on because it's kind of just a waste of time and money at that point yeah uh, did I hear that you'd actually maybe had retired a little bit? Um, were never planning on racing? Th- did I hear that uh, from somebody, or was that just something that you were? There was just rumors, or um, did you actually feel like, hey, I, I don't, I don't know if I want to race anymore? Uh, no, I never thought that. Okay, um, all right. I've been, I've had my thoughts, my sights set on it for a good bit now. I mean, yep. when I was younger, I, I never had intentions of being a professional motocross racer. It kind of all came. Um, my dad and I, we went down to Club MX for like a two-week camp um, in the wintertime because in Michigan it's blistering cold and you can't ride there. So we just made a two-week trip to go ride and kind of get ready for the, the spring and season in Michigan and try to get ahead of the game a little bit. And that kind of sprouted into like, it just I had such an improvement in those two weeks of riding mm-hmm. that it kind of kick-started something and um, Brandon and everybody at club kind of you know egged us on that I need to be there training and stay there full-time and we uh, we made the decision to do it and my senior high school I ended up doing online and I ended up staying there and I did my school work online the whole year I still got my diploma mm-hmm. and uh, you know like I went from a mid-pack B rider not making Loretta's and like I think two years later, I was I got four out of six podiums in the A class. So yeah. it was like having that drastic improvement. It kind of kickstarted. Like this is what I want to do for my job, and I haven't really let up on that since since that. Since you know, since yeah. I was seventeen when I went to. Um, happy? Are you happy with the way your European career went? With everything, are you happy with with how how it went down? I'm happy with how it ended. Um, the way this year started was kind of a shit show. Uh, uh-huh. I was on I was on basically uh, a father son team and driving a stock on the 250F, and you just can't be competitive in the MX2 class with without having uh, you know the proper equipment. So I did a lot of work and a lot of training, and luckily I was in decent shape when uh, mm-hmm. you know it came to the point where. I had 17 DNFs with uh, engine failures. It was either the MXGP rounds or the Dutch races and yeah, the Belgian yeah. races. Total, there are 17 um, bike failures in the first half of the season. So at that point, I made the call where I said it was a liability that you can ride the bike anymore. Yeah. And uh, in Czech Republic, when when I decided to end it after Moto One, um, I think I waited two weeks and tried to find something. Hunt. I was actually in a contract with Honda Europe, and they were trying to find something for me to to ride either on a different Honda MX2 bike or maybe an MXGP. 
but nothing was moving very quick. And I sent a message to uh, the Dutch, that Dutch team, F and H, and then from the Netherlands. So for, they said, "Yeah, you come ride the bike tomorrow, and we'll have you racing Lommel this weekend." So <laughs> everything happened pretty quick. And yeah. like the like I said, first time I rode that bike, instantly comfortable. And then things just kind of turned around from there, and All everything. Right started clicking i went like 10th 9th 8th 7th 6th and hmm. i even had a fifth at the end there so it's pretty cool to like just improve it and it was a relief knowing that right you know the bike could do such a, a big amount and it wasn't all on me yeah and you're like hey wait yeah you know uh i still got this right yeah it's good to good to hear yeah, it just turned into it turned into like being fun because i just show up to the track bikes there yep do my training went home just kind of chilled out and then repeat. Didn't have to worry about the stress of anything else. So, you know, I'm kind of back to that point, having to deal with all that other little crap. But uh, yep. it's not a bad thing. I'm I'm appreciative of the situation I'm in and that I have people helping me. Why did they change the rules? Why'd they do that? Yeah, no one really knows. It's, I think it's just because there's so many people flooding out of the MX2 this year. They all had kind of plans to do what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they didn't want to see it go in that direction. But, uh, you know, there was already maybe 10 past champions or even race winners racing the EMX last year. Yeah. And, you know, it, it really sucks. But I'm sure someone was just kind of complaining, younger dad or something or uh, whatever it was, younger yeah. team. They had younger riders saying, oh, they always want their rider to be in the championship. But it really kind of deadens the field because – you know, the MX2 class is strong, but only till about 10th or 12th place, and yeah. then it really fades well, off. How about instead of just banning those guys, looking at the why the reason was there were race winners riding EMX, like looking at that reason, like instead of just being like, you know what, we'll just change the rules so these guys can't, you know, race this, well, why don't you look at the reason why these guys are mm-hmm. doing it, you know? But, yeah, it's a, that's another podcast for another time. Um <laughs> So MXGP is kicking off this weekend in Argentina. What are your thoughts on the series? No hurlings to start. If he misses two rounds, next one's Matterly. If he misses two rounds, well, uh, Marshall, can he still win? I mean, if he if he leaves off where he did last year, I think he's he's got a fair chance of it. He just got such a dominant mentality; it's uh, it's hard to compete with that when someone shows up and wins everything free practice time qualifying <laughs> qualifying race photo one yeah. photo two. Like, yeah. no matter when he's on the track he's in first and it's pretty crazy when you're lining up against that knowing that someone's just faster than you but um if, if he can i think he's got the determination to and i think the rest of the guys are inconsistent enough to where it can happen the only other person that could maybe make it happen is Caroli or geyser right but i think uh without hurlings being there i think Fever rode pretty dang strong this off season mm-hmm. with the warm up races, and I think Kaiser rode pretty well too. I think they're going to be able to be, give Caroli a pretty good run. Yeah, like Caroli's and, not going to max know, out. He, Caroli won't max out in these races. That Hurlings isn't there. No, right. I, I don't think so. I think he'll be a podium guy for sure. You yep. can't not yeah. count Caroli as a podium guy, but I think that you know Fevra and Geyser will have something for him, and. Yeah, I would say Paulin too, but I just I don't know if he he's back to where he was a few years ago. Right. Um, and what about MX two? What do you what do you what are you seeing there? Honestly, I think my old teammates are looking pretty strong for my F and H team. I think Jacoby's going to have a really good year, and I think Adam yep. Sherry's going to be strong. Um, as far as the Husky guys, I'm not sure uh, 
I think Beaton's good, and yeah. Prado, I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah. mentioning Prado. Prado's going to be dominant. Prado will it's will be hard win, to beat yeah. him. Yeah. I was just kind of talking, like, second place and on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, I don't know. I think Ben Ben Watson and Vlandron will, will do really well, too. I think they'll be really good competitors for the podium. Um, Jacoby, you mentioned him. Uh, I know him a little bit. I, I met him a few times overseas. He's He's been a – I don't know. How old is Jacoby, do you think? I think he's 22. Okay, so he's – yeah. So I, am, I, am I drunk in thinking that he had a few years where he didn't do much and then only in the last year or so he's really stepped up his game? Yeah, he really ranted up. He even had a podium last year, I think, in Arco. He went like 210 for third overall, which is a pretty crazy moto score. Yeah. He's got that raw speed where he can throw it down, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's going to help him because when you have that raw speed for qualifying – that's what really saves you in the races because when you can start the weekend off on a good note in the qualifying race with a good start, then it just elevates everything. Um, Cause it seems like most of those GP starts, it's straight up the ins, you know, they line up first, second, third, fourth, fifth yeah, from yeah. the inside gate because it's a straight line all the way down. So when you can be on the inside and that F and H bike is so strong, I think that they're going to be a really good force to reckon with this year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can't count out. I think, Calvin is going to be strong too if the bike is good. Yeah, and Watson is going to have a lot of experience. Yeah. And when it comes back to the to the European rounds, like Valkensward and Lamo, and you know just uh, the gnarly ones, Yago Geertz is going to be a podium guy, possible winner for sure. FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension uh, Privateer Island Life Podcast. Use the code PulpMX30 at fxrracing.com. Uh, get the gear that Marshall Welton wears. Uh, use the code to save on that. Race Tech Suspension uh, Pulp 19. Get your motor work done. Get suspension work done. Uh, dial your, your bike in with Race Tech. They're certainly privateer proven over the years. And also we want to thank Maxis and Namira Pistons as well for coming on the show. How did you and FXR get together, Marshall? Um, I was actually linked together. I think it was through Kate Clayson and Phil Nicoletti, just some mutual connections. Okay. Uh, but I think they, uh, yeah, they they jump started it for me. Uh, I was kind of looking for something when I came back to, to help with the program, and they were awesome. And I can't say enough good things about FXR. Actually, the gear is so comfy, and I think it's really underrated because it's high quality. I think it looks really good. Yeah, and, I like I like uh, your you know, look. They're great people. I like your look, your bike, your graphics, your gear. Looks good. I, I'm a fan Thank of the you. of the. Of the of, I, there was a talk of a of a lit kit uh, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, nice. Just just saying. Yeah, I'm re- I'm really stoked. I can wear an Arai helmet too. I I love an Arai. I think it's the best helmet on the market, and I feel the safest in that. So, I'm pretty happy. I can wear like I think ideally it's the best brands on the track: Alpine Star Boots, Arai helmet, 100% goggles. It's pretty cool. I get to wear like my ideal brands. Right. Um, I wouldn't really choose to wear anything else. Uh, how's Phil been? Uh, has Phil been really hard on you? Has Phil t- calling you a dumb dick a lot? Like, how's that been? Um, he goes in spurts, yeah. Yeah. It's funny how Phil doesn't race Supercross anymore, but now he's a Supercross expert. Uh, yeah, he's out there coaching. Right, how to right. Do it and it's like, Phil, you were never that good at Supercross. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to argue with him. 
<laughs> he's really, he's good at keeping tabs. Yeah, really, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, what happened in 2014 when he did this? Or what about that pair of shoes he bought last week? Or this and that. Like, he just, he's good at throwing things back in your face. Yeah, so, you're just like, oh, God, this guy. So. I, I, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for Phil because he's he's been a mentor to me throughout the years. So I don't really talk back to him, and I don't really <laughs> – you know, give him shit about anything because right. he's really kind of taken me under his wing for, you know, even if he is a dick and he is kind of an ass <laughs> sometimes. Like, <laughs> I, I can't, even if he blatantly calls me out in front of a group of people, I can't, I just sit there and take it because I don't, you know, he, he, he does help me out a lot and I appreciate that. So I don't want to. <laughs> I don't really disrespect him in that sense. He he does have a heart of gold underneath all of that crusty exterior. He's a good dude. Yeah, he really is. He, he wants to help people. He wants to, you know, be cool about it. Yeah, so absolutely. Well, Marshall, uh, thank you for the time here on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life. I hope people use the code to save at FXRRacing.com. Um, again, I was I, like, like I said off the top, I, you should have been in all three main events and working forward, it, it's – it's uh, not been a great start for you, but you've got all the tools, all the program to make yourself successful. And I think once you just start getting them in, it'll be no problem. You'll work away closer to that top ten. You just got to stay away out of these jerkies, uh, out of their way, and and like you said, work on the whoops a little bit. But um, I think you'll be better from here on out, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for the words, and uh, try to make it happen this weekend. Sounds good, Marshall. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for your time.